0: Hello and welcome, I'm Ashwin Ahmed and I'm very pleased to be joined by Naddeep Suri, former ambassador to the UAE and an expert on the Middle East. Today, we will be discussing the implications of key events in the region. Ambassador Suri, a very warm welcome to you.
1: Thank you. Good to be back on the show.
0: Thank you, sir. Now, we've had Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman recently conduct a Gulf regional tour. Do you see this as an effort by him to assert his authority?
1: I see it uh, from two different perspectives. One is to build upon the accord that was arrived at uh, at uh, Al-Ula summit uh, in January uh, 2021, 20, uh, uh, when the four-year-old rift with Qatar was patched up. Uh, and uh, so it meant that uh, since 2017, this was actually... Uh, the first visit of the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia to Qatar, for example. Uh, so, so one is that, you know, they want to build upon the uh, thaw that they had, uh, or the bricks that they arrived at in uh, uh, in the GCC, the 41st GCC Summit in Al-Ula. The second, uh, the way I see it is uh, there are two major uh, events happening uh, right now. Uh, one is the Uh, talks uh, uh, with Iran in Vienna um, and the efforts that are underway to revive the JCPOA. The the second is uh, really um, recalibration or recalculation in the the Gulf with regard to U.S. uh, position in the region. Um, I think uh, it's a reality that the U.S. is today much more focused on the Indo-Pacific and on meeting the strategic challenge uh, from China. Uh, And to that extent, their interest in the Middle East, perhaps or in West Asia is not as active uh, as it used to be. Uh, And countries in the region now are looking at uh, 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 budding the hatchet amongst themselves and taking more responsibility, more ownership, perhaps for uh, their own well-being rather than leaving matters to the big daddy to sort out their Internal disputes, or even to clean up after some of their uh, misadventures. Uh, so I think I think that that's what I see. That and the Saudi Crown Prince's uh, visit to each one of the uh, uh, Gulf capitals uh, is really uh, an effort to try and build a more cohesive uh, GCC position uh, with regard to Iran, and indeed amongst themselves too.
0: Ambassador, now you've talked about the Saudi Crown Prince's visit, but let's talk about the West. We had President Macron's recent visit to Saudi Arabia. We had the U.S. arms deal recently going through, and we had a statement by Saudi Arabia talking about wanting to normalize ties with Israel. Do you think these are moves by the West and Israel to normalize ties, not just with Saudi Arabia, but with the Saudi Crown Prince in particular?
1: look I, I i think the the um descriptions that the saudi crown prince is out in the cold post the khashoggi murder are perhaps uh, overstated saudi arabia remains a very important country a very large country and uh, uh, ties between countries are uh, typically governed by the metric of national interest so uh you know you may have a periodical uh, step back. But by and large, I haven't seen any real uh, momentum in whatever uh, talk you've heard about efforts to um, to isolate uh, the Crown Prince. So certainly to me, uh, that's not the case. Uh, It's not just this uh, arms deal or this visit. Uh, The fact is that there's been a continuity Uh, If there have been fewer visits than usual, then, you know, you have to bring the COVID-19 impact into that when you make your assessment uh, and not uh, attribute it to um, a a potentially unrelated uh, uh, reason. So, yes, Saudi Arabia is very much uh, in the game, uh, has been and will remain to be.
0: Ambassador, now let's move to the UAE. There have been two very interesting developments. There has been a high-profile meeting by the Israeli Prime Minister with the UAE Crown Prince. But at the same time, we've had the UAE NSA meet Iranian leaders. Now, what role do you see the UAE trying to play here? Well, uh,
1: you know, I I think uh, not just two uh, high-profile developments, but four or five, if I could add, um, you know, uh, I think it started with uh, the visit of Sheikh Abdullah, the foreign minister, uh, to uh, Damascus for a meeting with uh, President Bashar Assad, uh, and uh, the um, you know the statements that emerged from there about uh, um, the uh, reactivation of ties between uh, UAE and and uh, Syria. The uh, second was uh, Sheikh Tahnun bin Zayed Al Nahyan, the national security advisor and, in fact, the younger brother of the crown prince uh, to Doha, uh, to mend fences there. Um, then there was his uh, visit, Sheikh Tanun's visit to Turkey uh, and uh, followed thereafter by the crown prince, uh, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed's visit to Ankara for a summit with President Abdogan. Now, if you go back a year or a year and a half and see how um, difficult the relationship was between Turkey and uh, UAE, you uh, then recognize the strides that have been made uh, in that relationship. Um, And then, of course, you have uh, the most recent visit of Sheikh Tanroun to Iran. So I'm placing all of these in kind of the same basket because I see them as uh, a conscious endeavor by UAE to play uh, an active role in um, Uh, In bringing uh, festering disputes uh, to some kind of resolution, you may not be able to resolve all the underlying issues, uh, but at least there's an effort that uh, the differences can be managed, uh, and uh, uh, the responsibility of managing these differences uh, rests amongst the regional powers uh, themselves. Um, As I alluded earlier, Uh, that uh, rather than leave it to the Americans to come and resolve differences between them. So I really see UAE playing a very active, very energetic uh, role, some fairly nimble diplomacy uh, on their part, uh, that, uh, you know, they hosted the Israeli Prime Minister for the first time ever. A historic visit, certainly in terms of the developments in the region. Uh, But they've done it uh, at a time that the Israelis are still taking a hard line against Iran but the UAE is uh, softening its stance towards Iran. So uh, they are showing that, uh, you know, they can pursue these apparently uh, opposing ends uh, without really sacrificing anything. Uh, And as I said, to me, uh, this is uh, an indication of some fairly deft diplomatic uh, uh, work by the Emiratis.
0: Ambassador, you spoke about deft diplomatic work. It's also a sign of, you know, In relations, at least as far as Turkey is concerned, the Turkey's foreign minister visiting the UAE was significant, given the tensions the two countries have had. I mean, what do you make of this visit? Do you think that the UAE may even provide economic aid to Turkey at this time?
1: look uh don't look at the turkish foreign minister's visit in isolation as i said it comes on the back of the uh, emirati nsa's visit and on the back of sheikh mohammed bin zayed's visit uh, and during sheikh mohammed bin zayed's visit uh, they announced not only a desire to normalize relations but uh, uh, plans for a 10 billion dollar uae investment into uh in, into turkey we do know that the Turkish economy is in a bad shape. We do know that the Turkish lira is crashing through the floor uh, as we speak. But I wouldn't describe the uh, UAE package as aid. I think it's much more, uh, you know, you call it investment, but it's investment uh, that will certainly, uh, once it starts flowing, perhaps help in uh, bolstering some confidence uh, in the Turkish economy and in in the Turkish lira but overall to me uh, you know whether you look at turkey or some of the other developments in the region um, i see it really as a part of a larger conscious deliberate uh, effort to focus on economic prosperity and to uh, for the time being at least put some of the politics uh, on the back seat uh, so uh, hopefully you know some of these emerging trends will gather momentum and uh, you will see a less fractured uh, region to to an extent we're already beginning to see that if you compare December 2021 uh, with December 20, uh, just a year back, uh, and and see some of the rifts that have been patched up uh, uh, with Qatar, with Turkey, uh, and certainly the dynamism in the relations between UAE and Israel, uh, then the difference just in the space of a year is there to see.
0: Ambassador, you talked about, you know, uh, regional meetings between the leaders and solving regional disputes. But I want to take a question now to maybe a multilateral level. We had the we had a virtual meet between India, Israel, UAE, and the US, and right. their media reports have it that they may even be an in person meeting at the foreign minister level next year. What role do you see for this quote unquote West Asian quad? And what will it mean for India and the UAE?
1: Well, you know, I used the West Asia Quad as a term in one of the papers that I wrote recently, simply to avoid confusion with the other Quad, which is with Australia and Japan. Um, uh, and and, and uh, you know, I said let's call that the Indo-Pacific Quad, uh, so that we don't uh, tie ourselves in knots in in, in describing them. And, and 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 you know, the interesting thing is that in uh, both the Quads, uh, they are. The two common factors are the United States and India, um, right. and, and, and their presence uh, kind of shows to you again uh, the shift that is taking place in, uh, in the politics of the region. Look, the West Asia Accord really uh, would have been unimaginable even a couple of years back, uh, but it is. I think uh, one is a, it, it's a testimony to the effectiveness of the Abraham Accords. And whether you like Donald Trump or you don't like him, you have to say that this is one lasting uh, sort of legacy uh, that he has uh, left behind in the region. And you're big, still feeling the, uh, the impact of that. Because the Abraham Accords, particularly the establishment of full diplomatic ties between UAE and Israel, um, has moved ahead so rapidly, I think it creates new opportunities in the region. Um, And uh, uh, the fact is that India uh, has uh, very good ties with the US and it has very good ties with the UAE and very good ties with Israel uh, means that at a time when minilaterals are becoming the flavor of the season, we have this new minilateral or quadrilateral emerging uh, that can uh, take advantage of the the emerging scenarios. It's quite interesting to see that. even while we were, have started talking of the Quad, trilateral cooperation between India, Israel, and the UAE is already uh, beginning to take shape in uh, several areas. Uh, and I think as we yeah. move forward, um, there will be a real interest in, uh, uh, in, in, in developing transport infrastructure uh, amongst these countries. There will be a real interest in uh, moving forward on technology areas. You might see some level of cross-pollination of ideas between the Asia-Pacific Quad and the uh, West Asia Quad simply because India and the U.S. are present in both. And, uh, you know, um, I've also seen reports of the uh, meeting taking place, a physical meeting taking place in March, potentially on the sidelines of the Dubai Expo. And I think that meeting might uh, uh, give this uh, this new minilateral uh, a more concrete uh, shape and a more definitive agenda.
0: Ambassador, you talked about assertive diplomacy by the UAE. Now, I want to take it a little further. I mean, I call it geographically a small country syndrome, where uh, small countries are asserting themselves in the Middle East. And I'm specifically talking about key play- uh, Qatar and the UAE. Qatar seems to have been the become the broker as far as Afghanistan is concerned, and the UAE, as you've asserted, is asserting its diplomacy regionally. How do you see this rivalry, if we can call it that?
1: Firstly, you know, the countries might be small, but they're very well endowed. Um, yeah. uh, We're talking about the two of the richest countries in terms of per capita income. Uh, given Qatar's uh, massive gas resource reserves and the UAE's oil riches, um, so I think that gives them um, uh, a latitude to uh, uh, to be more assertive. Qatar, uh, of course, uh, had uh, taken a certain stance, which was not to the liking of uh, some of the other countries. Uh, post the Arab Spring, um, the active support that Qatar gave to the uh, Muslim Brotherhood, uh, the fact that they were willing to host uh, leaders from Hamas uh, in uh, Doha. And particularly, I think what was of concern to uh, some of the other countries in the region uh, was the manner in which um, Al Jazeera, and particularly the Arabic channel of Al Jazeera, uh, was being deployed almost as a as, as an information uh, weapon to uh, give a very powerful platform to uh, to elements that uh, uh, other countries felt were hostile. So uh, you, you know, um, Qatar has certainly played a, an oversized role, uh, and Al Jazeera has been a very uh, oversized uh, megaphone for Qatari uh, uh, diplomacy. But it also created a lot of angst in the region. Uh, and, and and it uh, you ended up having a kind of a clear uh, division with Turkey and uh, Qatar supporting one set of actors in the region, which for want of a better term, you could broadly say were of a political Islam hue um, as uh, compared to the Saudis and the Emiratis, who were taking a much more aggressive position against islamist forces and saying that you know we are opposed to any form of radicalization and any form of religious uh, uh, extremism have they changed Uh, i don't think so Uh, um, i think um, um, the differences uh, still remain uh, but have been uh, perhaps swept under the carpet for the time being um, in this uh, new atmosphere of trying to manage the relationships better and not allowing those differences to become the dominant element in the in the relationship so yeah uh, you know um, uh, qatar played an oversized role Uh, the uae has over the last decade played a very very uh, uh, large role of its own and uh, the only shift i would say is that a few years back the uae was perhaps engaged in a number of proxy battles with the turks with the qataris uh, with the iranians when it came to uh, combating the Houthis in Yemen or uh, certain forces in Libya or in Syria. Today, we are seeing uh, the same sort of uh, resources being deployed for a more peaceful agenda of uh, saying that you know perhaps we can't impact those uh, local or regional battles, but at least we can try and bury the hatchet among ourselves. And I think that will pro- perhaps make the region a better place compared to what it was five years back.
0: Ambassador, we can't round off any uh, discussion on the Middle East without talking about Iran. Now, as far as the Vienna talks were concerned, we saw uh, both sides, and uh, by that I mean Iran and especially the United States, in the first round go in with very hardline maximalist positions. But now, sir, we see Iran in the IAEA recently reach a deal. Uh, so, my question to you is, we can't predict anything, but is this a positive sign? Do we see some scope for you know uh, for negotiation here? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think uh, there's a saying in the, the diplomatic community that the Iranians love negotiations for the sake of negotiations, uh, and, uh, and 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 will continue to negotiate to the last uh, point. So I, I think what you've seen is a, a process that dragged on for a bit. Finally, the Iranians uh, seem to have agreed to uh, at least one of the key demands uh, that was critical for the uh, resumption of uh, substantive talks. I think, it, it, you know, it's going to take two to tango. Um, the Biden administration has signaled that they are willing to uh, roll back on uh, Trump's uh, opposition to the JCPOA. The Europeans are still in the game on that. The situation in the Gulf today is more conducive. So countries like Saudi Arabia and um, UAE, from a point where there were trenchant critics of the JCPOA, are today saying uh, that they are okay with the resumption, provided some of the regional concerns are taken into account. In fact, um, um, the diplomatic advisor to the president of UAE, uh, Dr. Anwar Gargash, uh, has uh, uh, gone on record to say that he doesn't advocate more sanctions on iran because he thinks there are already enough sanctions so you can see that that the ground today is perhaps more conducive uh, at least as far as the rest of the region and the uh, the west is concerned but is iran more ready to uh, to uh, embrace uh, the accord once again i think uh, that's going to be a function of iranian Uh, politics uh, as much as what happens with the other countries. And that's a space that we should watch very carefully over the next few weeks.
0: Ambassador Sui, thank you so much once again for your insights. It's been a pleasure talking to you on very key events that are happening in the Middle East. And we will be back with you to discuss as I'm sure events will keep changing over the next few weeks and if not days. Thank you once again. And thank you everyone for listening.
1: Always a pleasure Ashwin, thank you.